I never cease to be amazed how our Lord works through the Mass, through the readings, and even the days that they fall on. Now, we heard Brother John read in the second reading, Paul. And what is Paul talking about? Division. The problem of division. Now, we all know we must turn to Christ because he's the only one who can unite us, as Paul says. Because Paul goes right on to say, as Brother John read, is Christ divided? No. You know, it's significant. We just read the 12 apostles. That Christianity began with a group that lived in fellowship. They lived together. This was the opposite of what was happening in Israel. Just like today, there were division. In fact, do you know the Pharisees? you know what the word Pharisee means? So going back to seminary again, Pharisees were separated men from each other. In fact, the word Pharisee means the separated one. It inherently was division. They saw themselves in a different realm, much different than the lowly common person, but chosen by God. The essence of Christianity became one that binds men to each other in the body of Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. Christianity began by insisting that you could say diverse people should live together. Non-believers coming to Jesus. You've always heard me say, by essence, um, Simon the Zealot, what's a zealot, a defender of Israel, should have killed Matthew. Because Matthew was a tax collector, considered an enemy of Israel. These guys were not guys that could live together. These guys were guys that couldn't even get along in the same room. We see so much of that today. You know, it's like a test on earth. Why? Because in heaven, this is how we will live. With all kinds of different people. We got to learn on this earth how to do that because then we can't make it to heaven. It's just not about me and Jesus. You've heard me say this. But rather, me, Jesus, and all of you, our Marian helpers, our non-Marian helpers, our Christian fellowship, our non-Christian. This is why Jesus chose 12 men of different backgrounds. Fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, to become united. What is the role of the 12? Why were the 12 chosen? What did they represent? Okay, you may have learned this in catechism. Christ is calling them back. They represent the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And he calls them back together. He calls them together because it's symbolic of him bringing back the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, here's what's interesting. Did you know in that first reading? I bet you didn't. I didn't until I went to seminary that Naphtali and Zebulun were two of the tribes of Israel. We just read, well, what is this first reading about that Brother John read? Um, from the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the, those are two of the tribes of Israel. So this is very interesting. So what happened? They became divided and ultimately lost. This is what happened. You know, um, in one of the greatest empires the world has ever witnessed, do you know what that empire was? Babylon. Modern-day Iraq. 
And it was ruled by a king, you probably recognize the name, Nebuchadnezzar, right? In fact, he had such a palace, just a little sidebar, you know, that's where Alexander the Great died. It was actually in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. I think Alexander the Great, to me, one of the most incredible, most amazing humans who ever lived. And in terms of accomplishments, I don't know about so much about his religious status, but in terms of accomplishments. But what happened to Babylon? Why did it fall? It was one of the greatest empires of all time. You ever hear of the Tower of Babel? It fell because the people who were united all of a sudden wanted more. Greed, envy. And they wanted to build a tower to reach heaven to be equal to God. You've probably heard about the Tower of Babel. So God, in response, confused their language. He confused their language. That's where we get the word Babel. Don't give me a bunch of Babel. He confused their language and they could not understand each other. They could not communicate and they could not finish the tower. But God can unite us again if we turn to him. We need unity, even with all this division. You know, I was in uh, Medjugorje a couple years ago. And it was right after Brother Jason and I finished our book on suicide, trying to help those who are struggling. And I wrote about my grandmother. And I was in Medjugorje. And if you've ever been there, you know they have a long line of confessionals. And each door of the confessional has a different language. Polish, French, German, Italian, English. And so I wanted to help out, so I went into the confessional to hear confessions in English. And I was in there for a couple hours, and I came out. If you've ever been there, when you come out of the confessional, there's just this massive like courtyard area of people who gather right outside of St. James Church. And I stepped out, and I, I was going to turn left to go down to where the worship area was with the Blessed Sacrament. And if you go right, it's just more towards the shops and stuff. And I was going to go left, and all of a sudden, something turned me to the right. And way across this massive amount of people, I saw this girl, this young woman, crying profusely, standing alone by herself. There was nobody with her. And so immediately I saw her and I was like, wow. And, and she just looked so distraught. So I went over. I had no idea if she could speak English. And, and I went up to her. I said, are, are you okay? And she answered me in English. She said, no. She says, I want to take my life. And I was like, no. And so we talked. And, and having just finished the book on suicide that Brother Jason and I wrote, I was trying to use some of the ideas that were coming into my head. And I was talking with her. And, and she was saying that life isn't worth living. And nobody cares about her. And I tried to explain to her that the most important person, if you will, in the world, Jesus, cares about her because she was there and, and that she took her next breath and the fact that he gave her life and the fact that 
All these people here are broken. She's not the only broken one. And so I'm trying to reach her, and she's just, she's this beautiful girl, I, I guess in her late 20s. And she was from Ukraine. This is before the war ever started. And I said, wow, I said, and, and here we were talking about God. And, and I, I felt that was the first time God really used me to be able to get the message about suicide that you never want to go that route, ever. And so as we're talking, I said to her, I said, you're so beautiful. You have so much to offer. And your, your English is amazing. And she looked at me and she says, Father, I don't speak English. I only speak Ukrainian. And I said, excuse me? And she says, I don't speak English. And she's talking to me in English. Or at least I'm hearing her in English. And I said, what? And she says, I don't speak English. I only speak Ukrainian. I said, well, I don't speak Ukrainian. I only speak English. And she melted. She said, oh my gosh. She says, this is God. This is God. I was hearing her in English, although she was speaking Ukrainian. And she was hearing me in Ukrainian, although I was speaking English. The effect of the Tower of Babel that caused such division was overcome simply by two people who were there to try to find God's grace, his mercy. And that will open up a floodgate of mercy. Do you know what was the sign hung above the cross when Jesus died? Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's why you see the letters I-N-I-R, I-N-R-I. Because there's no J. Jesus is an I in Latin. That's Latin. And then Nazarene. So Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, N. Regnum, the king, R, of the Jews, I again. It was written in three languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Do you know our mass? I just did a talk on it yesterday on the Latin mass. Just did a talk on this. A huge source of division right now. But it doesn't need to be. The mass should unite. In fact, what are those three languages? Do you know they're in the mass? Where do we have the Greek? Kyrie eleison. Where do we have the Hebrew? Amen. Alleluia. Hosanna. Where do we have the Latin? Lamb of God, Agnus Dei. Holy, 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 sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. The mass incorporates those languages that were on the cross when Christ died and unites them so that grace can pour out. Whether it is the ordinary form or the extraordinary form. And the whole message that I tried to convey yesterday is you have every right to enjoy the extraordinary form and the beauty of it and the reverence of it. But we cannot 
condemn and claim the Novus Ordo was invalid. And likewise, we at the Novus Ordo, and I, I said, I want to learn the extraordinary form. I embrace it. But at the same time, we celebrate the Novus Ordo can't say that the extraordinary form is no longer applies and should never be said. That's, that's not right either. And so we unite to overcome this division. And so, you know, it, it, the comments that I read on the thing show extreme division. In one sense, that's okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't expect, I guess, anything different. But Pope Benedict talked about the hermeneutic of continuity, meaning I'm, you can't be just pre-Vatican II, you can't be just post-Vatican II. We can't have a continuity of rupture, he said. We need a continuity of hermeneutic of continuity. And you know what? Benedict talked about the ordinary form and the extraordinary form. Do you know who the apostles were? They were ordinary men chosen to do extraordinary things. We have ordinary and extraordinary right in the 12 apostles Jesus just selected. Ordinary men chosen to do extraordinary things. They were ordinary men to do things they never thought they could do. We can too. We should start today. You know, today is the day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children. It has actually moved to tomorrow. We don't celebrate it liturgically because today's a Sunday. So it's liturgically moved tomorrow. I'm not sure who has the Monday Mass, but they might, whichever priest might mention tomorrow. We have one of our employees here, Jackie. Her and her family went down to D.C. to be part of the Life March. Man, can you imagine a greater place of division right now than Washington, D.C.? Not just two sides of the political aisle, but protesters screaming at pro-life candidates. I do find, or pro-life um, marchers, I do find it unique because it was just told to me yesterday that one of our brothers who has a very close friend that works in Congress said that amongst the Congress members, they all know the Life March is the most peaceful and the only march that never has any kind of violence. I think the only one that we heard about a few years ago was that whole issue with one of those young boys that was confronted by the Native American. I, I don't remember all the details, but I mean, we're gonna have some of that division. But pretty much it's peaceful. So with all this division in Congress and amongst the adversaries of the pro-life movement, let us turn to Christ for unity. Remember, our enemy is not each other. The Bible tells us that regularly. The enemy is not our flesh and blood. It's not our brother and sister. The enemy is the evil one. Powers and principalities, dominions, and those fallen angels who are allowed to roam the earth for a time. That will end. And the other day I remember saying that one of the mystics said that every time an abortion is performed on earth. A demon is released from hell, the pit of hell, to roam the earth for a limited time until Christ comes again. Then all the demons will be thrown into hell and hell will be sealed. Right now, as the St. Michael prayer prays for protection, they roam about the earth seeking the ruin of souls. 
And why would God allow that? Because by his justice, he has to. There has to be consequences. And when an abortion is performed, it is said amongst the mystics that a demon is released upon the earth. There have been millions, in fact, billions of abortions. That means we're dealing with billions of demons just from that sin alone. So let us turn in unity to Christ, the teaching through his church. Brother John is going to read you from St. Faustina, that even St. Faustina talks about division amongst the sisters. We can have division. That's going to happen. But we have accountability. We're accountable to God to eliminate sin. I mean, I just got roughed up a little bit by our superiors in Rome because I didn't do this report fully correctly and I needed to add more to it. And I, you know, I'm new at this. I'm kind of learning, but my, my superiors in Rome held me accountable. You are accountable for this. By justice sake, it's your role. I couldn't use all the excuses. Well, you're not being like Jesus. No, they are. Out of love, they're holding me accountable. They want me to get better. They want me to learn. They want me to grow from it. I didn't pout and say, you're being mean. By justice sake, they're being, holding me accountable. And so let us realize that when we sin, God, by justice sake, has to hold us accountable. But there's an easy way to solve that. Unite under him as one people, one church, and open the floodgates of mercy. No matter what language you are, Hebrew, Greek, or Latin, it's in the mass. Now in the vernacular all over the world, it's in the mass. Bring it together. Be as one. Amazing how this reading fell on the day of praying for the protection of life. And there was one last thing that I was reading as I just was scanning through here. And it talked about life. It talked about the importance. I can't remember where it is now. It was in the first reading. But anyway, the importance of being united. And when we unite, we stand. Divided, we fall. And don't be like the Tower of Babel. Divided, they fell. Let's get back up so that united we can stand. And it doesn't happen without starting with Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. That's the Hebrew. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world.
Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.